So, if you didn't pick up on it, we're starting a new series today, and it's about relationships. And, and also, maybe a, also a plug that it's Valentine's Day coming up, so guys, just be aware. You know, today I want to—we did our last series because the beginning of a new year, it seems like it always brings with you so many struggles because you come off the highs of the holidays and you're back into life again. And in February is the number one divorce month in our country today. And so we're doing a relationship series because we've talked a whole host of different things of how to deal with life just as it comes. And we've talked about just resentment and, and depression and all sorts of different things. Today, I want to start a series on how do you deal with the relationships, the special somebodies in your life. And it doesn't have to be your spouse. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be your kids, people that you love and are trying to work on those relationships just to make them better, to make them more healthy. Now, just as a way to begin this, I want you to, you don't have to raise your hands, but I want you to think about these questions. How many of you would say that you tend to be a little bit more critical than thankful? You don't have to raise your hands, but just think through that. A little bit more critical than thankful. And then, even with the people we love, are you more critical or thankful of the things that they do? Do you tend to focus on the, the negatives or the positives? You know, at, at the end of last service, Mike shared with me, he said, you know, they, they did a study and they, they found that if you were struggling in your relationship, if you just complimented the person that you were struggling in the relationship with and you did it every day for 30 days, every time you saw him, that it would begin to transform that relationship into something healthier. Just by focusing again on the positives. There was a study done when I was in college and I was looking at just the power of conversation and different things. And if you don't respond to somebody's negative, okay, and so you're, you have someone in your life that's continually negative, if they kind of go off on a negative stream and you just don't respond to it, but then when they say something positive, you do respond to it, you'll find again in that seven, same seven-week period of time that, that they'll start being more and more positive with you. It, we just tend to focus on the negative. We, we tend to be critical. We, the things that go in on in our lives that are things that are not according to plan, the things that are more negative, are what we obsess over. And if we could just take a step back for a moment, there's so much that's good. There's so much that's powerfully good in our life that we should be rejoicing over. So to begin this series today, I want to give you just a, a different way of thinking. And I want to give you one word that would transform, I, I believe, most of your relationships today. And that one word is appreciation. Maybe the question is, though, why is appreciation the word that's so huge? And the answer is because when we give it, you raise the value of the relationships that you have. In fact, that's what the word means, to raise in its value. For example, if you bought a house in Phoenix over the last, I don't know, five, six years, your house has gone up in value, which just means you could sell it for more now than when you bought it. That's not always the case, but in general, house prices have gone up. It has appreciated in value. And so again, why do we give this kind of thing? Why do we care if we raise the value? It just means that every time you appreciate your wife or your husband or your children or your family or your friends, the people you work with, you raise their value. You make them feel better. A lady on the way out of the first service says, I got a card from Tabitha and when we were gone and it just shared with them how much they appreciate her husband's cutting and her working on the quilts and different things and it made their day. Why? Because sometimes just a a small word of positivity, of compliment, of appreciation can go a long ways. And so in the Bible, if we want to experience healthy relationships in our lives, we see that we're supposed to do that very thing. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, Encourage one another and build each other up. Again, do you tend to be more critical or more encouraging? Even with the people that you love, with your kids, with your spouse, with your neighbors. 
Ephesians 4.29, speak what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. You know, it's a funny thing. Even people that we care for and we love deeply, sometimes if their life is going too well, what do we want to do? We want to knock them down a few pegs, you know, to keep their heads from getting too big, we say. Instead of rejoicing with them that things are actually going well, that they actually accomplish something, that they're actually overcoming something in their life. Again, maybe the question is just what are the needs that we're trying to get at? Well, one of the deepest needs in human, in human beings, according to William James, is their need to be appreciated. Now, obviously, there's a lot of others as well, but this is certainly one of the deepest. The need to be appreciated. It was interesting, and I shared this before, I think in a different context, but there was a, actually, I was doing some research one time, and I found this, this dial a, a compliment number in, in, in England, um, where it actually, London, England, where you could call up this number if you were feeling down, if you just wanted a compliment, and the other person on the other side of the line would, he would compliment you, kind of a, a crisis hotline for the underappreciated or whatever. And you kind of laugh at that or smirk at that, maybe even roll your eyes, but what was interesting, the article said, is this number was flooded night and day, 24-7 for years. People were calling it because they were desperate for some positive feedback in their life. They were desperate to talk to somebody who would uplift them instead of discourage them. Why in the world would that happen? Because people are hungry, starving for appreciation. So Philippians, it's not surprising to discover that Paul describes for us three things that we absolutely, positively need to learn to appreciate in other people if we want to experience what truly healthy relationships are all about. And so we're going to talk about them a little bit today. And so as we go through this, I want you to think about three things. I want you to think about the people that you actually appreciate in your life a great deal, okay? You may not always show it. You may not always verbalize it. In fact, you might just do the very opposite things. Sometimes it puts a strain on the relationship. Certainly, that takes away some of the joy. So I want you to think about how to show some appreciation to those people. The next group of people I want you to think about are those that you don't appreciate as much, the people that kind of tick you off all the time, the, the ones that are frustrating to you. Again, this could be people that are very close to you, your kids, your spouse, whoever, but I want you to think about what aspects of them, what things do they do, can you appreciate or learn to appreciate, to put a different spin on the unhealth in that relationship. And then lastly, I want you to think about God, because he's done so much for us. And I want you to think about how we can appreciate him differently. So let's take a look at the first one that Paul gives us. One of the first things that he says is we need to learn to appreciate people's loyalty. In Philippians 1 verses 3 through 5, Paul says this, I thank God for you every time I think of you because of the way in which you have helped me in the work of the gospel from the very first day until now, both now that I'm in prison and also while I was free. In other words, Paul appreciated their loyalty. In fact, in many ways, these were Paul's booster club, right? They were his supporters. They supported him through all the thick and thin of his ministry and the ups and downs. He's in prison now. He's old. He's, he's, he's nearing the end of his life. And they're still encouraging him. They're still sending him care packages. They're still sending him people to, to tend to his needs even while he's in prison. It's easy for people to kind of gather around you when things are going great and when things are on the up and up. But people seem to abandon us in our times of need. Mike was sharing this thing about Facebook and people brag about how many friends that they have. And, and he said one of the things about youth culture that's so interesting is when you have all these friends and you have thousands of friends or whatever, but when you're going through a difficult time, he says the study after study suggests that people just kind of abandon and leave you. That they want to be there for you when you're up or when things are going good. But as soon as you want to have a hard conversation about something real, it's hard to find somebody to talk to. So these guys, they were there for Paul in his down times, in his hard times. 
And Paul's saying these kind of people deserve our appreciation. They may not always be spectacular. They may not always be superstars. They may not do anything really out of the ordinary at all. But if they stick with you, you need to learn to appreciate that as something very unique and awesome. For example, how many of you have had a marriage partner who has stuck with you through a lot of junk in your life? And I say that because there's a lot of people that have gotten divorced because their partner did not. Maybe it was a bankruptcy or a midlife crisis. Maybe there was health problems. Maybe you've even stumbled and had an affair. Maybe you've just been mean for an extended period of time. But they were quietly supportive all through your ups and downs, and they're still there. Paul says these kind of people deserve, you deserve to appreciate their loyalty because it's not as common as you might think. And all you have to do is look around and see the people that don't make it in their marriages, the people that abandon, that, that jump ship as soon as something goes hard. Paul's saying again, these kind of people deserve our appreciation. How many of you guys have been to Yellowstone National Park? Just curiosity. It's kind of a cool place. There's a, there's a, a geyser called Old Faithful there, real famous. Everybody goes to see it when they're there. Um, but if you've been there and you've seen this geyser, you know it's not the most beautiful geyser, and you know it's not the biggest geyser. You just know that you can count on it. So it's the one you've seen. It goes off at this time, and so you drive your car over, and you watch it go up, and there it goes. But it's always faithful. See, it's always loyal. And again, there's something to be said for them. Paul says, from the very first day until now, you've stuck with me. And I appreciate that. I really, really do. I was at a ball game, an ASU football game with one of my buddies who's a huge ASU fan. And this was back when I was in college. And so we were at the game. It was the third quarter and they were losing uh, 39 to nothing. It was in the third quarter. Um, the fans behind us, ASU fans, were, were yelling, hold them offense. You know, they just wanted the offense to hold the ball because then the other team wasn't scoring. I won't tell you who that other team was. Um, but the reality, two-thirds of the fans had already left, and I was just starting to feel bad. I mean, it was clear that the game was going one direction. I could see he was in pain. And so I offered to leave. But to my surprise, my buddy wouldn't let us go. And I thought that was pretty awesome. I said, he was no fair-weather fan. He just really cared about his team, and I admired that. I admired it partly because I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and we have a lot of those seasons, right? But I admired it because of this. When you're making a fool of yourself and you're falling flat on your face, that's the time it seems that you appreciate other people's loyalty the most. Somebody once said this, a friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else is walking out. And that's what Paul's saying here. We need to learn to appreciate people's loyalty to us. Those people that actually sit down and, and listen to us when we're struggling or are there for us when we need them. The people that have stuck by our side. And, and, and here's, I get how the marriage goes. I mean, sometimes you just, you start taking for granted what you should be rejoicing like that guy in the video. I mean, how many guys married out of your league? Guys, I'll raise your hand. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, we, we've got to learn to, uh, to really take a step back and appreciate the blessings that God has given us. He goes to a next one. It's this. We need to appreciate people's differences because we usually, we usually don't. In Colossians 3, verses 13 through 15, it says, Be patient and tolerant with one another, always ready to forgive if you have a difference with anybody. 
For you were called to live as one united body and always be thankful. If you go to my Wednesday morning Bible class, one of the, the groups that you'll learn is that there's a green carpet group and a red carpet group. And the backstory of that is that there was this little tiny church that finally had generated enough funds to re-carpet their sanctuary. And they were so excited about that. And they came to this meeting and one group of people wanted green carpet and another group of people wanted red carpet. And they ended up dividing the church because they couldn't agree in the color carpet. It destroyed families and it destroyed lives and it certainly created two different churches. Differences. Sometimes we make them, even things like carpet, way more important than people. In this case, people that they had spent years with cultivating relationships, that their kids went together to confirmation or that they spent time in Bible studies with, that they had developed these, these amazing relationships over the years. And they got sidetracked from things that were important, God, relationships with each other, and they got caught up in something that just wasn't. Now let's track that back to marriage relationships or parent-child relationships or, or even friendships. How often do we get sidetracked on the very unimportant instead of focusing and valuing the person that God has put before us? In other words, Paul's just saying here, don't insist that everybody be like you. Think like you, act like you, smell like you, walk like you. It goes on. Instead, learn to enjoy other people's differences. You know, we can do it in sports, right? I have some of my best friends are Green Bay Packer fans. I, I don't understand it, but that's where they grew up, right? It seems like all the winning would get old. I don't know, you know. Um, but we don't let that sidetrack from our friendship. Not even when the Lions and Packers are playing and the Lions lose. I, I don't let that, that do anything, you know. We can do it in sports, we struggle to do it in politics, don't we? And we struggle to do it in other areas of our life. Instead, he says, you've got to learn to enjoy people's differences and uniqueness. I was talking with a, a lady who was struggling again with the, just the climate that's going on in the news and stuff. And, and I was saying, you know, sometimes it's, it's trying to find the good things in, in what you're looking at. Uh, it's very seldom are, is somebody all evil or all good, right? I mean, in the things that they're doing, what can you learn to appreciate? When the Democrats are in power, one of the things they seem to do very well is they, they tend to try to take care of people, okay? And, 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 and right now in our country, when Republicans are in power, they tend to bring more of a morality back, be more of a Christian base. And so even if you don't agree with a lot of their different politics, you could enjoy the fact that in a Republican thing, is it trying to push a pause on some of the moral decline? And if there's a Democrat in power, you can rejoice that they're trying to help people. Not everything is all evil, as our media makes it seem. And because we've gotten all evil, right, and all bad in our discourse and politics, we can't even talk to each other anymore about anything. You'd be amazed at how much we agree on, left and right, Republican and Democrat. And I just share that because we, we used to be able to say, we'll agree to disagree, or at least I can see your point. And he says all these things because usually th things that are different are things that we don't appreciate. Why? Because secretly we want everybody to be like us. But they aren't, are they? And we excuse that in different ways because we can go on the internet and find 10,000 people that always agree with us, depending, no matter what we decide we believe in. But it's into this reality that Paul says differences aren't necessarily wrong, most of the time, they're just different. He's saying that everything is beautiful. Everybody is beautiful in their own way. And really, thank God we're not all alike. I mean, can you imagine if the whole world was like me? I mean, yikes, right? Or, or if it was like you, it'd be brutal, right? Thank God we're all different. 
Let me build on this a little bit. I think it's beautiful evidence of God's humor that in marriage he usually puts very, two very different people together, right? If you are married and you are an early riser, you are inevitably married to somebody who is not an early riser at all. And it causes some kind of struggle right away in the relationship to your intimacy because of when you go to bed to waking up at different times. It causes one person to be more tired because they tend to give in more and all sorts of different things. One of you is more daring and impulsive, and one of you probably more cautious and reserved. When it comes to money, one of you loves to spend money, and one of you doesn't. In fact, somebody once said this, at the end of your life, whether you have a nest egg or a goose egg depends on the chick you married. <laughs> <laughs> Again, one of you usually tends to be a little bit more romantic, and one of you tends not to be. It's like the guy who came home one day from work. He walks in and hands his wife two aspirin. She said, what's this for? And she said, it's for your headache. She said, I don't have a headache. He said, gotcha. <laughs> so he just got it. That's good. Yeah. The reality is, though, we're all made different. There are no people that are alike. And so we need to learn to appreciate each other's difference. How many of you, even in marriage, even though there's a lot of commonalities that drew you together, find that there's differences, some of which we just talked about? Or good friends that have differences in the way they look at life or the way they look at certain things. Paul says, when all possible, be patient and tolerant. If you have a difference, be thankful. There's actually studies that say that differences in marriage add balance, that marriages that have the most problems are the ones that have, um, are the ones that are exactly alike. And so the greater the differences in your marriage, the greater your potential for growth and the greater potential you are to, to reach things and do things that you never thought possible. Paul says, learn to appreciate the differences of those around you. And I would say that's not just true in marriage and in friendships and with parents and kids, but if you see the dysfunction of our country, it's true in politics. We've got to learn to talk to each other instead of talking at each other. I'll give you a last one. We need to learn to appreciate people's efforts. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, We always thank God for you and how you put your faith into practice and how your love made you work so hard. In other words, Paul is saying here, don't take people's efforts for granted regardless of the results. For example, how many of you have had preschoolers at one point in your life and they wanted to help do things? We used to have a whole bunch of them, three of them we had, and they were all little and they were all running around. They always wanted to help us clean, which was really cool. And sometimes they'd get wood polish on the windows and Windex on the wood, and, and sometimes they'd vacuum stuff they weren't supposed to, like the drapes and stuff like that. They didn't always get it done right. But the thing that my wife and I always appreciated is they wanted to help. They wanted to be part of the solution. They were making an effort. A friend of mine tells me the story of when he was in junior high school and he took a course in wood shop. And he said, I have no artistic ability, craftsmanship ability, absolutely none. My project for the year was to make a pencil holder. It's not hard, it's a block of wood with six holes. But it took me the whole semester to do it. And even after I got it finished, it was cockeyed and I was real embarrassed about it. But I gave it to my dad for Christmas and he appreciated the effort. It was a piece of junk, but he said he appreciated the effort. And he goes on to say, he appreciated it so much that I made a gun rack for him the next year. Didn't even have a gun. <laughs> There's a guy named Alex Haley, and he wrote the, the movie Roots. I don't know if you remember that. And he was, just tells a story of when he was in the Navy. He was a master a cook, that, cook in his, on his ship. And it was at the end of Thanksgiving, and he had just prepared meals for his entire ship. And afterwards, he went downstairs, got into his bunk, and was just thinking about the word Thanksgiving. And he decided to kind of reverse the words of Thanksgiving into giving thanks. And he started thinking, who do I need to be thankful to, or who do I need to be thankful for? 
And he said he made a list of eight people that had dramatically affected his life in a positive way. And he thought he should write a letter to these people and just thank them for just how amazing they've been to him and for him in his life. And he realized even as he was beginning to think about that, that Fordham had already passed. So he decided to write letters to the others before another one passed on. He was going to write a letter and just say this, thank you for your impact that you've made on my life. And the rest of the article goes on to see how those people were affected by these thank you notes that he sent out. You see, the reality is even though we tend to focus on the negative, there's truly so much to be thankful for in this life. And the truly amazing thing is that that even exists in the first place. We always say that life is so hard, but God is so good. But if we can take a step back, usually there's one part of our life that's going wrong, right? If our, our work's going wrong, usually our health and our relationships are fine. If our relationships are usually God just hands us one or two difficult things at a time, but not so much that everything's going wrong. That's why Thanksgiving, I think, is a powerful time of year, at least for a moment, when we take a step back and we say, you know what, there's actually a lot of good in my life. When we look at our relationships and we take a step back, we can say, you know, actually, they're not that bad. <laughs> actually, they've been kind of amazing. We also read it in Scripture that every good and perfect gift comes to us from above, that it comes to us from God. And so all healthy relationships begin by learning to appreciate the author and perfecter of all the good things in our life. And coming to grip with just how amazing God is, which was that third encouragement I gave you at the beginning. It's realizing that no one is more faithful or loyal to us than God is. That he is faithful to his promises even when we're not. That he's loyal perhaps to a fault. Is realizing that God is different, too, in so many different ways. That he's here for you always, that he forgive your, forgives your sins, that he loves you without condition, that he sees, that he created, that he is. And it's realizing that he loves you enough to make the effort to send his own son to this earth to die for you so that you could have life, so that he could give you more amazing gifts of this unprecedented love, of this unconditional forgiveness of life eternal with him in heaven. And so as we worship our amazing God this day, we come to an appreciation of just how amazing he is. And may that give us a perspective to look at the people in our life and give us the strength, too, to find something to appreciate, words to give to encourage that we might find a healthier way forward in our relationships with husband and wife, with kids, with friends. It makes a difference. And God shares with us this wisdom this day. And all God's people said... Amen. Let us pray. Guys, we begin this series talking about relationships. We struggle with this, Lord. We usually think they're going great until they're not, and then we focus on them a lot because we can't figure out what we've done or where it's gone wrong. Father, there's some simple tools that you give us in your word on how to love people, how to value people, how to appreciate people in ways that, that just set a different track, a, a different tone a different way for our relationships to move forward. And if some of those studies are true at the, that Mike cited, or even the one that was in college about being, reacting to the positive, not to the negative, or giving compliments, Lord, it shows us in the end just how easy it is to raise the value of our relationships. Father, give us that wisdom and give us that heart today to do differently in the future. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.